really? Okay, let's get started, if you would. And uh, this uh, this second session is um, in Create Like Christ is encountering Christ in the sacraments. We're going to take a look at the sacraments. And to do that, one of the best models of sacramental worship in the New Testament is Luke chapter 24. So let's, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to that. Luke 24, the road to Emmaus, and um, it's the story we hear a lot at Easter time, particularly. Um, it also comes up in funerals quite a bit. It's a choice, uh, but it's a great, great teaching on sacramental worship in the church. As you're turning to it, just give you some background on the uh, the nature of the the story. Of course, Jesus is alive and risen, and he's on the road to Emmaus with two of his disciples, but they don't even recognize him. And, uh, and they're, they're talking about the fact that he, that this Jesus of Nazareth was killed. You know, they're kind of in a depressed state, you know. Okay, so we'll start with uh, verse 13. And that very day, two of them were going on a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that have happened, all these things referring to the, the passion of Jesus, his trial and all that. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. In, in Luke's gospel, to not recognize somebody means that they could not perceive in their hearts who he was. So in other words, they, they lacked revelation, lacked understanding of who he was. And then he said to them, what is this conversation which you are holding with each other as you walk? And as they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, now is the third day since this happened. More, okay, just stop right there for a minute. What Luke is doing for us is summarizing what the gospel is, talking about who Jesus is, what happened to him, you know. Okay, now, moreover, some of the women amazed at us, they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came back saying they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So here is interesting. This is very interesting because in Jesus' day, women were like the last person you ever want to verify anything for you because in their society, women had actually no standing at all. No one would give them any credit as a witness to anything. And yet here is Luke saying to these disciples, women have told us these things. So the reason why they had trouble believing it is because they didn't they had a precondition about women already, that is, that their that their testimony would not be counted as evidence. Then verse twenty five, and he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Slow of heart is a reference to their lack of understanding of things by faith. In other words, they just didn't get God's plan and purposes. 
Verse 26, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things, enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. <coughs> so Jesus uses the word of God, Old Testament, uses the law, uh, Moses, the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament particularly, and the prophets. And he uses them both to show that they point to him and how he fulfilled all that. Verse 28, so they drew near to the village in which they were going, and he appeared to go further, but they, they, but they constrained him, saying, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, and the day is now far spent. Actually, the word constrained means they literally pulled him in. Okay, <laughs> They yanked him in. They, he wasn't going beyond them. They weren't going to let him. Okay, And we'll find out why in just a minute. And so he went in to stay with them, and when he was at table with them, he took the bread, blessed, and broke it, gave it to them, and their eyes were open. Remember their eyes were closed? Now they're opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished out of their sight. Um, this is meaning that they perceived him in faith. This is what Revelation is. They perceived him in faith that he is who he says he is, the Son of God, risen from the dead, conqueror of death. That's what all that's meaning by this, that their eyes were opened. Verse 32, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the, the scriptures? That language of burn within is the language of God speaking to them in such a way that that they felt they were changing from a disposition of being downcast, not understanding, not knowing, to now being filled with a sense of joy and an understanding of what's going on and a perception of who Jesus is. Okay. Remember, remember this is a model for sacramental worship. <laughs> Verse 33, And they rose that same hour returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven gathered together, and those who were with them, who said, The Lord has risen indeed, has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. The breaking of bread, of course, was the Eucharist. But the, they notice what they do. They go and they proclaim him to others. All right. So, on your, on your uh, fill-in-the-blanks here, the road to Emmaus is a model of sacramental worship in the scriptures. And why, why is it a model? Um, because it describes for us the basis of worship, sacramental worship in the church. That is a covenant we enter into with the Lord. A covenant is a bond between the Lord and his people. And in which he promises to bless, provide, forgive, heal, protect his people. And in turn, the people worship him. Obey him, trust him exclusively. Number two in your outline: the sacraments are encounters with the risen Jesus Christ. So, if you lived two thousand years ago, and um, you would have met Jesus physically, and let's say you were hurting physically, he would have touched you and healed you. That would have been an encounter. Let's say you were burdened by sin, he would have pronounce forgiveness over you, and that would have been an encounter with him. That would have freed you. Um, let's say that, uh, you know, you you needed um, spiritual refreshment and power. He would lay hands upon you and pray, you know, for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. That would be an encounter with Jesus. So in other words, if you were there 2,000 years ago on the dusty roads of, in Galilee, you would have heard him speak. You would have seen him with your eyes. You would have touched him or been touched by him. And that would have meant 
brought a change within you, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you name it. It would have changed you because how can you not encounter the Jesus, the God, and not be changed? So when we talk about sacraments, we're talking about encounters with the risen Jesus Christ. So he's no longer physically present, but he's risen and exalted the right hand Father. So, so he is still encountering his people. And one of the ways he's the church has been he's given the church where his encounters can be, um, you might say, an ongoing gift of himself would be the sacraments. Number three in your outline, in the sacraments, Jesus is acting in the midst of the people. His engagement with us in sacramental worship is to heal and bless his people. So engagement is that the Lord engages his people. One way to think of sacramental worship with the liturgy is that, for example, when you read a story about, let's say, the woman who, who has the hemorrhage and she reaches out to touch Jesus and she says, if I can just touch the hem of his clothes, I'll be healed. Okay, you, we hear that gospel proclaimed at Mass. The priest or the deacon proclaims that. They say, okay, it's a great story, you know. But actually what it means for us in sacramental worship is Jesus at the right hand of the Father is now acting in the midst of that congregation to heal his people just like he healed that woman who was just who touched his garment 2,000 years ago. So in other words, the word of God read or proclaimed in the gospel is to say Jesus is acting now in our midst. That's what's meant by sacrament or sacramental encounter with the risen Christ. So it's not just a story. It, like, I could read it now, and, and it's a great story, and I could get something from it personally, but when it's proclaimed in the midst of sacramental worship, it's Jesus acting. Why? Because, first of all, because when he said, when two more gather in my name, there I am in their midst, but he's given the sacraments as anointed encounters with his risen presence. When is people gathered? When is assembly gathered? Now, the Old Testament background and prefaces for this is that, the, you know, an individual Hebrew could pray. That would be great. He could even pray with his family. That would be great, too. But it's whenever they gathered together that the Lord came to visit them. And meet them. In the assembly, he, encounter, he, met, he had a meeting with them. He had a visitation of them. We'll look at that language just in a minute because it's another way of thinking of sacrament. It's a visitation of the Lord and meeting of the Lord with his people. Much like Moses would gather the people and the Lord's cloud would come down upon the people at the meeting tent. The Lord was visiting his people. Now we have sacraments. All right. Okay, number four. The word of God builds faith in our heart so we may encounter the Lord. If you notice in the gospel story, the, the road to Emmaus, Jesus took time to break open the scriptures. Moses, the law, the Torah, and the prophets. And remember they said, were not our hearts burning, with, burning inside of us? That means that faith was being kindled in them. Okay, here's a, here's a key passage of scripture to, to remember. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. No faith, no encounter with Jesus in the sacraments. Now the scriptures, this was addressed a little bit before, in the, 
The scriptures are inspired by God and committed once and for all to writing. They impart the word of God himself. The word of God himself without change. And they make the voice of the Holy Spirit resound in the words of the prophets and apostles that comes from the Second Vatican Council. A document called De Verbum, which means the word of God. So in other words, the word of God, the scriptures impart the word, Jesus himself. So the sacraments are, I mean, the word of God in scripture is a kind of sacrament as they impart Jesus to us. Now, what are they imparting? Jesus. But what are they imparting Jesus as? A story? No, they're imparting him as the risen, exalted Christ who conquered sin, death, and Satan by his own death and resurrection. They're imparting the victory of Jesus Christ. So the Catholic Church, to get that point across, has a stand at the gospel. Why? Because we want to honor Jesus? What's well, okay for starters, but that misses the point. We stand because the gospels are Christ acting in our midst now. We hear about the woman with the hemorrhage, he wants to act in our midst now to heal us. We read about the Emmaus, on the road to Emmaus, where we saying, okay, that's me. You know, I need to grow in a deeper, more convinced perception of Jesus as the Son of God, risen Lord. So Lord, touch my eyes through the breaking of bread. Touch my heart through the breaking of bread so I can see Jesus more clearly. So Jesus spends a lot of time taking the word of God and breaking it open for God's people. In this case, the two on the road to Mass, which are a symbol of the church, by the way. Now it's two. Jesus said, not two by two. Two on the road to Mass is a symbol of the church. Church on the journey to an encounter with the risen Christ. Every time we come to a sacrament, it's a journey to encounter the risen Christ. We may not start in faith, but the whole point is, as the word of God is broken open, we grow in faith and journey to encounter the risen Christ. Okay, so here's the, here's the point, a key point, and we see this in the road to Emmaus. No time with the scriptures, no faith, no encounter with Jesus. So, when, Je when the woman was reaching out to touch Jesus, the hem of his garment, remember what the disciples said? What do you mean, who touched me? Who touched you? All these people are bumping into you. And Jesus said, no, somebody touched me. And of course, he turned around, saw the woman, and the woman told him the whole truth. Here's the point is that there were a lot of people bumping into Jesus. That was a true statement. But one touched him with a touch of faith. When we come to the sacraments, a lot of people come to the sacraments, but not all are touched in faith. Because why? Because their hearts are not prepared with the Word of God. The Catholic Church says that the canon of Revelation is the whole of the scriptures, Old and New Testament. The Holy Spirit uses the whole of the canon, sacred scripture, to build faith in our hearts. So we have, they had the Old Testament, the road to Emmaus, the guys there, but we have the whole canon. We have the new and the old. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ, which is the whole canon of scripture. So the church gives us so much scripture on Sunday to build our faith to encounter Jesus. So what did the disciples say? They had to respond to the Lord. You know what they said? They said, stay with us longer. 
So in other words, what were they saying? They were saying, you know, not, you know give us a longer homily. <laughs> no, that, that wasn't what they were saying. They were saying, the respond, meaning they were surrendering their hearts to the Lord. As the Word of God was building faith in their hearts and was dispersing the distractions of that time, which were the fears, the doubts, the disillusionment, the grief, the pain of loss. The Word of God was, dis, was, dis, was dispersing all that. Faith was growing in their hearts, and they began, they responded by saying, stay with us longer, or we surrender our hearts to you. That's what, the, that's what anointed scripture proclaimed at Mass, whether just in the reading as well as in the preaching, is meant to do with, within us. It's meant to lead us to surrender to the Lord. That prepares us for the encounter with Him in the sacrament. St. Thomas Aquinas said that the Word of God, when proclaimed in it with anointing, will untangle sins and demons in people's lives. That's a, that's a 13th century saint to say that. On his commentary on Ephesians, chapter 6, about spiritual warfare. Again, strong confidence in the, in the Word of God proclaimed, taught, or preached to do to really change people. Like I tell you, what helps that along is that people come into church with their hearts already prepared with the Word of God. All right. Number five, sacramental worship is founded on the family of God. As we deepen our relationship to one another, the sacramental encounter is richer. Now, sacraments are not just me and Jesus, because sacraments are built on the premise that we are covenant family. By our baptism, confirmation, you could be brought into God's family, that we are, we're adopted sons and daughters. We're, all, we're justified by the blood of Jesus. We're anointed with his presence to be royal heirs, you know, royal, royal priests of his. So we're temples of his dwelling, but we're temples of his dwelling as the family of God. So here's the point. The more we deepen our relationships to one another and grow in our faith with each other, in other words, we grow in sharing our life with each other, um, then sacraments become more deeply enriched and experienced in our life. In other words, the encounter with Christ becomes deeper. So, let's take an example. Um, uh, you know, if, um, let's say, a, a, the parish gathers at Mass and they're going to witness a baptism of a baby. Okay, that's a common experience here. <laughs> let's say that, let's say at the 930 Mass, okay, and let's say a lot of, let's say of the maybe 400 people gather at the 930 Mass, 200 of them are in small groups. They're sharing their faith with one another. Okay? So when they come together, not only will they provide a richer worship of the Lord for, the, for themselves, as well, but when they witness that baby's baptism, that baby will be baptized into a parish family in which 200 of the people at that Mass will be in relationships with each other, growing their faith. So that family will be baptized into that kind of dynamic amongst the Christians there. So that means then they'll be entering into a parish family, which the dynamic or the culture of sharing their life with each other is commonly experienced and expected. But then let's say they go to the 11 o'clock mass, okay? And there at the 11 o'clock mass, 
you you have 400 people gather there, and you only have maybe say 30 people sharing their faith or their life together, and you have another baptism there, and that family is baptized into the parish family, but there it's not very deeply experiencing relational growth with each other. What's the difference? The difference is the first, the 930 Mass, that because people have learned to build relationships with each other and grow with each other in their faith and share life with each other, share their struggles and joys and grow with each other in their faith, then that makes the sacramental experience richer because they're part of the family of God. That means their encounter with the Lord will be deeper. 11 o'clock Mass is shallow. And so because the relationships aren't that all that deep. Sacraments are based upon the family of God. We're baptized into a family, which means practical living out of our faith with each other. So it's one of the reasons why we stress small groups, to build the relationships with each other. Without building relationships with other, our worship is very limited. It's very diminished. Remember, the two on the road to met others as they went and encountered, spoke to them. It was a covenant they were in with each other, covenant family. So you can ask any questions about that afterwards. Okay, okay let's take a look at the sacraments in brief. Now what I want to do is define Jesus in each of the sacraments. Sometimes I think when we talk about sacraments, we talk about what's happening. We never talk about Jesus as he's showing up there in that sacrament, what he's intending to do. Okay, so... Baptism, Jesus is Savior. He's bringing us from darkness to light, from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of Christ. A person becomes a son or a daughter of the Father. They're adopted into a new family. They have brothers and sisters now. That's why we need to share our, our life with each other. That's why small groups, growth groups, are really important. Because we need to share our life with each other. In baptism... Well, also Jesus is doing a Savior as he's working to transform our old nature into a new nature. We call that grace. Okay, confirmation. Jesus is baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He wants to give us the fullness of his Spirit. He wants to bring to us a new Pentecost in our life. He wants the fire of his love to change us and propel us into the world to be witnesses to him. He gives gifts, gifts to grow in holiness. You've, you know what the, you know those sevenfold gifts that the bishop always prays for? Well, he also gives charismatic gifts as well. Gifts of tongues, working in miracles, faith, growing in faith, prophecy. He gives all those gifts too because he wants his church, his body built up in faith. Jesus is the baptizer of the Spirit, plunging his people in the fullness of his Holy Spirit. Okay, Eucharist. Jesus is bread of life and healer. Bread of life. He comes to, he gives us himself to transform us body and soul. He wants to change us, but he also comes to heal us in body and soul. We say that beautiful word, Lord, I'm not worthy for you Come under my roof, but say the word, and my soul shall be healed. The word for soul does not mean soul, and then my body's over here. Soul means the very life source within me. It's a beautiful Hebrew word, meaning the life source in me. So Jesus heals the life source in me. It's going to affect my body and my 
and my emotions, my will, my everything about me. So we ask him to heal the very center of me, the very depth of me, the very life source in me, so that all of me can be healed. Okay, so uh, also the, the, the healing that takes place for us there at the Eucharist is a foreshadowing of the resurrection of our body. It's a promise of immortality. St. Irenaeus said it beautifully. He says, if we eat of the Lord's body and drink of his blood and remain faithful to him, we will live forever. We'll live forever. So every time we eat of the Lord's body and drink of his blood, assuming we're doing that in faith and trust in the Lord, then he will do a work in healing in us and transformation in us that is foreshadowing of our resurrection body. Um, the next is reconciliation. Jesus is forgiver and reconciler. He's at work forgiving and reconciling his people. Jesus is at work freeing us from the entanglement of sin and demons in our life. In reconciliation, Jesus is healing our wounded nature. So one of the things that, you know, um, what he wants to do is restore charity to our hearts has been lost by sin, but he wants to heal the wounded part of us. That means healing the memories as well. Okay, anointing of the sick. Jesus is the great physician, the healer. And the church's understanding of the sacrament of sickness is primarily a sacrament that's meant to uh, open us to Jesus acting in our midst, encountering him as the great physician, as the healer of his people. I was uh, with a lady at the hospital this afternoon, annoying her um, just before I came up, came over here. And, uh, you know, if she wasn't in a very good situation, a very bad situation, actually, physically, that is. Very poor diagnosis and prognosis, really. Um, you know, but when you pray the right of the sick, you know, the sick, you kept on praying things like, you know, the Lord restores her and, heal, and heals her and body, mercifully restores her, can res resume her former duties. You know, it's that kind of language the church has given us through the anointing of the sick, because it wants us to be raise our faith to encounter the great physician. Okay. Next is marriage. Jesus is builder of community. Here he's building the domestic church. The family is built and cultivated. But it's not just the, um, it's not just the family, father, mother, children, that is, yes, but it's beyond that. It's the, he wants to build community in his people. That would be the parish community. So, you know, what we say is that in the sacrament of marriage, it's, he's building a, a community with those people, husband and wife, but he also wants to build a community with his, with his hope, all of his people. In a marriage, then, there's a, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit brings a new power and wisdom into two people, man and woman, helping them grow in charity and build a family rooted in charity. Okay, and lastly, holy orders. Jesus calls and leads men into priesthood to specifically carry on his ministry and to equip others in the work of ministry in the church. So one of the main roles of the priesthood is to equip others to serve. Ephesians chapter
Euler sees is, is he calls uh, men into priesthood. So he's calling people to be shepherds. He's calling people to be fishers of men. So they can, they can equip others to do that. Okay, so in summary then, sacraments are encounters with the risen Christ. They are meetings of grace to transform us in body and soul. Sacraments are visitations of the Lord, anointed visitations of his presence. They are outpourings of his Holy Spirit. They require faith. They really do require faith on our part. If you have 5% faith in a sacramental gathering, you will get 5% experience of the Lord. If you have 50% faith in your heart, you will get 50% experience of the Lord. If a congregation has 5% faith at work, it will only experience the Lord 5% of the way. If a congregation has 50% faith, it will experience a much fuller of the Lord. The sacraments are the Lord's gift to us. He gives himself freely, but they're not magic. They require faith. And faith comes by hearing, hearing God's word. That's why Jesus spent all that time with those two guys on the road to Emmaus, building up their faith with the word of God from the Old Testament scriptures. And lastly, sacraments are covenant celebrations, which means they're covenant family celebrations. We, we do need to build relationships with each other and share our life with one another. It's, otherwise, it will greatly diminish the sacramental gathering. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. Christianity is not individualism. Christianity is committed relationships. To help each other grow in holiness, help each other grow in our relationship to the Lord. Okay. All right. Any questions?